Anybody got the victory in here today? I was excited coming to church today. Like the scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, it's a good thing. It's a glad thing to come and to worship together. Amen. Uh, I'm going to preach this morning on the big question. And I guess I could have everybody speculate on what that is, but I'll just go ahead and tell you. And the big question uh, is one that was asked by the serpent in the garden. And he asked that question of Eve. And it's the same question he's continually asking. And believe it or not, you know, people talk about uh, having, uh, you know, some kind of uh, idea that the devil has all these tricks. They say, well, the devil has all these tricks, this bag of tricks, and he's got all these different ways to deceive you, but he doesn't. He really only has one way to deceive you, and it's the same old, tired, boring thing that he's been using on humanity since day one. And so I'm going to answer this big question for you, identify it, and answer it for you, and let you see this, and hopefully it'll encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Amen? So look at Genesis chapter 3. And uh, you'll you'll begin to see what I'm proving out today. Amen. Um, look at uh, verse one. We're going to read a few verses here to get the story. Most of you know this story. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now there's the question, the big question, hath God said? So now, here's where the deception begins. And it's not only true for Eve, it wasn't only true for Adam, it was, it's true for all of us today. <clears throat> what Pastor Scarlett was reading earlier about continually saying something. Our own mind and sense of balance and sense of logic will talk us out of the blessings of God if we don't watch it. Because we'll think, well, surely that's not literally, you just continually say that, like Howard Hughes repeating the same thing over and over again until they had to lock him up and nobody see him anymore. But, it's, and, and of course, it doesn't mean that, but it just means as you're talking, you're thinking, you're going through the day, you're thinking about your life and your challenges, is that you're repeating and saying, again, like I preached last week, right thinking, right believing, right confession. And so the Word is just encouraging us to do that. It's not trying to turn us into you know, some kind of walking automatons where we're going around, you know, repeating stuff to, till we lose our minds. But in our lives that God has enough sense to know, how many believe God understands our lives? He's got enough sense to know that we have responsibilities and duties and, and just getting through the day. And even if you're on vacation or you're relaxing or whatever, you still have to think about your life and and put one foot in front of the other and deal with things. Amen? Yeah. 
And so God knows this. He's not trying to create some weirdo, strange religion for us to be a part of and, uh, and, you know, dress differently than everybody else and, you know, put our hair up in atomic bomb, uh, you know, style and, uh, and, and, and where, you know, the, the women have to wear dresses down to the floor and, you know, not use any nair or anything. I grew up with the nairs of the devil. <clears throat> so, uh, God loves burly women, hairy ones. But, um, you know, and that's what, if you, if you don't understand that God also, in a, you could say this, God has common sense. And he's not trying to put some weird thing on us that doesn't work. But nothing works better with our daily lives than the Word of God. I'm telling you, it is not against our daily lives. It is pro-daily life. It is helpful. It is uh, good. It's something that will bless us and lift us up. Amen. So that we're not like the world. That doesn't mean not, we thought, uh, and Sister Ruby can testify to this in her upbringing, that we thought being not like the world meant looking like weirdos and, and being strange. Uh, but that has nothing to do with being like the world. Being like the world means we don't think like the world. Why? The world thinks fear all the time. Everything's fear and lack and failure and expectation of everything going to pot. And we don't live like that. We're different from the world. We think differently. We talk differently. Amen. And our results are different. And thank God for that. How many like godly results instead of worldly results? And what happens to people? And so the question, the big question here is, hath God said? Because what everything that, again, like we did last week, we held up our Bibles and we said, like John Osteen had us do, you know, this is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. I am everything this book says I am. I have everything this book says I have. That's what we're talking about. God told Adam and Eve, you're blessed. You have everything you need. You are abundantly supplied. You have health, wealth, blessing. You're talking about the richest people that's ever been on earth. It's Adam and Eve because they own the whole world. And if you don't think that that's valuable, try to buy a piece of this world right now. Just a piece of dirt and see how expensive it is. Go over here in holiday to the beachfront and start buying property. And you'll see how much that it costs. Amen. And so, especially now, everything's gone up like almost 40% in real estate value. If you own a house, rejoice because your house is worth more now. But uh, I'm just telling you. Uh, God has told man, starting with Adam, you're blessed. You're healthy. This world, this earth has everything in it that you need to sustain your life and to help you. Amen. And the devil comes along and asks this question. Half God, did, did God really say it's, it's gaslighting at <laughs> its finest? Trying to get you to second guess what you believe you heard. Now, did you hear him right? Did he really say 
that if you, surely he didn't mean, if you eat of this, you'll die. Surely he didn't mean, surely it's not that, surely this isn't literal. That's what the devil has used against us every time. And he tells you you're missing out by believing the Bible. Preach, pastor, help us. All right. Half God said, half God said, you're, he, you were healed at Calvary. Half God said that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Half God said these things. Half God said through Jesus, um, you know, you have what you say. You have what you confess. Has God said that? And then we, we start pondering that question. I have. You ever, you know, anybody want to admit you've, Questioned it and wondered, well, if that's true, then how come this is happening? If that's true, why is this bad thing happening? You know, why did sister so-and-so not get a healing or whatever? You know, you go there if you're not careful in your mind and you begin to join in with Adam and Eve and the devil club. Now, the Bible talks about this. It's very good. The Bible talks about Adam being the, you know, the first man and also the father of sin in a sense, in that he was the first one to fail. But the Bible also talks about a second birth, new start and root of our life, and that's Jesus. And I don't know about you, I would rather identify with Christ than identify with Adam. Adam, the father of sin, Jesus, the father of redemption. Praise God. Can you see that? And the whole world identifies with Adam. Well, let's see what our DNA says. Well, there's something you can learn there, whatever. But it's not unchangeable. Let's say you got the worst DNA anybody could have that you got inherited, and you can change that with faith. Oh, you've really lost your mind now, Brother David. You need to. Somebody told me last week on Facebook that that we preachers ignore the facts and just preach fantasy. Somebody said that to me. I thought, well, which facts? The facts of faith, the facts of God's Word, or Dr. Fauci? Which facts are you going to believe? I like what our governor said. We're not living our lives by Fauciism. <laughs> it's a new religion, Fauciism. He's the Wizard of Oz. Nothing to see here. Don't step behind the curtain. Praise the Lord. If that saying that gets me kicked off of Facebook, well then kick me off. Fine. I'll find another way to talk to people. Goofballs. All right. Half God said, he's questioning. There's a question mark. Can you imagine having the nerve to question God, the Creator, the Father? That's what Lucifer's made out of. And the woman said unto the serpent, now see, here's another warning, don't talk to the devil unless you're rebuking him and telling him to shut up. Don't reason with him. Brother Hagin used to say, if you'll hold the devil in the realm of the word and faith, you'll beat him every time. But if he can hold you in the arena of reason and logic, he'll beat you every time. 
I have found that to be true. The woman said unto the serpent, oh, she's going to have some reasonable conversation with this escaped maniac. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now he's saying God's a liar. The liar is saying God's the liar. So which, who's the liar? The liar is the liar. Amen. For God <laughs> doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she said, well, he's got a point. You know, this looks like pretty good fruit. That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make new, to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now notice that she was hoping for this great wisdom and knowledge that was going to come by disobeying what God had said. And again, that is the accusation of Lucifer, of Satan, against God. He's not provided for you. You're not who he says you are. Because God already told them they were wise. God already told them that they were all this. And the devil comes along and says, you're not all that. But if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll finally get what God's promised. There's his lie. Now, he tried that on Jesus. Remember the temptation of Christ. He says, if you're the son of God, uh, you know, jump off the pinnacle of the temple. And the angels will bear you up. Jesus knew his devices, and he didn't bite, bite into that one. Amen. Jesus said, you know, he rebuked him. Well, then he said, well, if you're the son of God, make these stones into bread. And this is what the devil tries to do, especially to us faith people. He says, if you're really in faith, then you'll be able to walk without your cane. If you're really in faith, You'll be able to, you know, do this thing that you're not supposed to do. If you are the righteousness of God in Christ, then you can live your life as sinful and horrible as you want. I mean, he's always trying to get us to tempt what God has said. I hope this is making sense. And his big, his big question is if. Well, is that what God said? Surely that's not what he meant. Oh, come on. You, well, you, you know, and he's wanting you to prove it to who? To him. Well, if you're filled with the Spirit and powerful, then, you know, make this frog turn into a prince. I don't know. Poof. Something. It's verse 7. The eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. They didn't know that was going to be part of the deal. Shame and guilt was the first result. And they sewed fig leaves together, got in the fashion business right away, and uh, made themselves aprons. And of course, God saw their aprons and said, you're not wearing that, that's ugly. And gave them uh, 
Pentecostal baptismal robes to wear. Is that what he gave them? No. Fur coats. He gave them fur coats. All right, look at Genesis 16 real quick. Y'all getting anything out of this today? Anytime you have a challenge, the devil... Isn't this amazing? Anytime we have a challenge and we need faith, that's that's the most critical point that we need faith, isn't it? I mean, we need faith on a daily basis, but we really need faith when the chips are down, as we say, right? We really need faith when things are have come against us and the devil is trying to hurt us in some way. That's when we really need faith, right? And that's when the devil does the most of his talking. He must be afraid of us believing the Bible. Because why does he try to talk us out of it all the time? There's something, we've got something the devil is afraid of. And that is our faith in the Word. And that when things, when he stirred up a bunch of dirt and dust and crap and thrown it and slung it at us, um, is he's watching to see what we're going to do about it. And he's hoping that we'll get discouraged and throw in the towel. And, well, I prayed, nothing happened. And I quoted that one scripture that Pastor David said. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem like anything's working. That's, that is the temptation of the devil where you're saying, now, hath God said, hath God said I'm the righteousness of God in Christ? Hath God said I'm the healed? Has God said I'm blessed? Has God said in His Word that I'm the head, not the tail, I'm above and not beneath? Hath God said that the devil is under my feet? Amen? And uh, in Genesis 16, we're not going to read a lot of this, but I'll, it, it, I'll just re- reference it, you know. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, bear him no children. And remember, God had said, you're going, hath God said, God had said, you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm changing your name to Abraham. He put the ha in his name <laughs> and said, you're the father of many nations. And, and Sarah, she, she got to questioning. I don't think this is going to work, you know. He's a hundred and I'm 90 and I don't know. So maybe we'll have a better chance if we get a younger woman involved. And so Sarah, remember when the Lord spoke this and the angel came and talked, talked all this, Sarah laughed and said, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Somebody my age going to bear a child and it cost her something. Well, then she comes up with this idea to hire the concubine. And uh, this is something interesting. So Abraham, you, you can't blame it all on Sarah, Abram at that point. He, she says, I want you to, you know, I want you to have a relationship, physical relationship with this, with this woman here. And, uh, and uh, Abram was like, well, are you sure? <laughs> That's what (laughs) this guy goes off and gets with this woman and creates a baby named Ishmael. And there, 
generations later, they're still dealing with them people. Who do you think is throwing the bombs over the border? The Ishmaelites are. And so, like I said about creating Ishmael represents the arm of the flesh, where Israel represents the arm of the Spirit, amen, or the mind of the Spirit. And so, in our lives, that's why we need to stick with the Word and stick with faith, because I, I want Israelite projects walking around in my life, not Ishmaelites. And Ishmaelites, our problem is they're easy to make and difficult to get rid of, apparently. And uh, I wanted you to see that eventually, if you go now to Romans 4, you, you, and, and in, you know, in Genesis 17, uh, uh, God comes to Abram, changes his name by faith, and, and, and we see that a- Abram goes from this horrible state of yielding to the arm of the flesh. It was none of that was God's idea. God's not moved by their age, by their, their, their physical limitations. And uh, look at Romans 4.20. Now, so this is, a, this is, everybody likes to talk about the Abraham and Sarah story like that they were just these examples of shining bright people in faith, believing God from day one. They were not. They were a disaster. Sarah laughs at God. We got the concubine thing. We got Ishmael running around, gonna, trying to figure out how to murder everybody. And now we've got, you know, Abram still back to square one now with all these problems created by the arm of the flesh. And yet, the victory is he finally made it to real faith. Praise God. That sounds like us, doesn't it? After we've applied arm of the flesh to everything and really screwed it up, then we finally go, oh, believe in God. Now we still, we're still believing God for the original problem, and now we have to believe God to get rid of the stuff we created, that God didn't need us. Let me tell you, folks, here's shocking, breaking news. God doesn't need our flesh effort to answer our prayer. And in fact, our flesh effort makes answering the prayer a little more difficult. We just get in the way. Preach, Pastor. We just love this. This is great. Exposing everybody. Uh, there's, they, I've noticed on Facebook people post pictures they Got these coffee mugs they're giving their pastors. It says, caution or warning. What you say to me right now will end up in next week's sermon, you know, or something like that. Anyway. That's true for all of us who were preacher's kids, you know. Um, Anything we did ended up in the sermon somewhere. And you're going, oh, my God, you know. All right. Romans 4.20 tells you the victory here where Abram, Abraham finally, finally got to. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Listen to this. Then being halfway persuaded, 
fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. That's the whole thing right there. Folks, that's the foundation of our faith right there, is that what God has promised, he's able to perform it. And if he wasn't able to perform it, he should have never promised it. Amen? God really under-promises and over-delivers. And we're so used to people over-promising and under-delivering and causing disappointment that if we're not careful, we'll apply that to God as if he's a man that he could lie and can fail. But he's not. He's not a man that he should lie. Praise the Lord. Everybody say this. God's not a liar. (laughs) Amen. Aren't you glad? What he said, he will do. And so... Finally, Abraham, and I guess Sarah got on board, finally got to where that they were became fully persuaded that what God's promised, he's able to perform. Boy, that's my challenge to us today. Do this thing. Do this thing I'm preaching about, where what God's promised, we're fully persuaded he's able to perform. And we can say boldly, like the Scripture says, that I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Who, how can I fear what man can do to me? Amen? All right, one more verse. Look at John 11. I hope you're getting something out of this. It's encouraging me if it's not encouraging you. You can just tolerate it. How's that? John... 1140, again, we won't read this whole story, but it's the story of Lazarus, dead in the tomb, remember? And uh, Martha, who's uh, the, the sister of him that was dead, has basically said the same thing Lucifer said in the garden. <laughs> she said, Lord, this this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days, and Remember, they said to him, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And where were you? And why weren't you here? And you you said this, but now look at that. And hey, it's just the stuff we always deal with, all of us. And Jesus said to her, said I not unto thee, verse 40, that if thou wouldst believe, thou should see the glory of God. And of course, they rolled the stone away and he called Lazarus forth, and he rose from the dead. But the thing that I wanted you just to see of this little verse here is Jesus reminded them of what he said. He he said, if you will stick to what I said, not what you're seeing, not what you're experiencing, you'll see the glory of God. And that's the climax of of this message today. Uh, The point is that you and I need to Remember what Jesus said. Remember what the Word says. Recall it. Bring it back up. Praise God. Sometimes, you know, if you're dealing with contracts or legal things, you'll reread, even though you've read it, you know what it says, but you'll reread the promise. You'll reread your rights or what, or the warranty says or whatever, so that you really know it, so that you really can quote it and say, this is, 
I have a three-year warranty and this thing died in year one, you know? Praise God, you can get it replaced or fixed or whatever. But it's like that, is that we're going, hallelujah, what has Jesus said? Lord, I won't forget your words. I won't forget your promise. I won't forget what the Bible says about it. I won't forget, and I'm going to be... (laughs) I'm going to be like Jesus when the devil came against him and tempted him and said, if thou be, he said, it is written. It is written. Amen. In other words, this is legal. It is written. Surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. And by his stripes I was healed. It is written that... uh He supplies all of my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not according to what, you know, the bank says, the lawyer says, or anybody else, but according to His riches in glory. Praise God. We, we're not, our economy is not based on what those folks, almost called them a name, in Washington do. Our economy is based on uh, y'all remember when Alan Greenspan was the head of the Fed? I got so tired of hearing, you know, Greenspan started sounding like Fauci at some point. It's like, if they quote Greenspan one more time, I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna throw the TV in the street. I'm so tired of hearing Mr. Doom and Gloom. We're raising rates, you know, we're raising the interest rates and more. Cost you more to borrow money. I'm so tired of hearing him. And that's the way you feel about Fauci. But I'm telling you what, our health and our wealth is not based on what the Beltway says or what CNN or whoever else says. It's based on what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that's enough preaching. Did you get anything out of that? Let's sing a little song. Well, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a little song. We can go. But uh, let's pray, especially those that are watching. If you have any kind of sickness or problem, put your hand where you're suffering. I'm going to believe, believe that God will touch you there by faith, vicariously. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We lift these people up. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and, and growths and problems to disappear in Jesus' name. Any problem with the mind, any problem with addictions and those things. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your help and your health and your touch and your blessing. Thank you for deliverance today. We command Satan to take his hands off of God's property. Be healed and whole in the name of Jesus. Amen.